This week's episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible is the internet's leading provider of audio entertainment with over 150,000 titles to choose from. When you're done with this episode, please visit audibletrial.com forward slash the renaissance for a free audiobook with your free 30-day trial membership. This week's recommendation is The Civilization of the Renaissance in Italy by Jacob Burkhardt. Burkhardt explores the rise of Florence and Venice as major power players in the Italian peninsula, as well as a renewed interest in the Greek and Roman world. You may choose this or another one of their many titles when you visit audibletrial.com forward slash the renaissance for your free download. Welcome to the Renaissance, episode 14, A Renaissance Christmas. Hello, and welcome to the Renaissance. I'm your host, Dennis Bird, and as you can probably tell from the different music this week, We're only a week from Christmas, and I thought it'd be fun to explore some of the ways that Christmas was celebrated during the Renaissance. Many of the traditions we're going to talk about actually predate the Renaissance, but they were molded into their current form that we recognize during the Renaissance. So let's start with Advent. What exactly is Advent? For those of you in a liturgical tradition, such as the Catholic, Anglican, or Lutheran churches, you probably know that this is the time before Christmas, roughly a month before Christmas, or four Sundays prior. Advent is Latin and means coming or visit. So Christians, in a sense, are waiting for the arrival of Jesus on Christmas Day. It is also seen as a time of celebration and preparation for Christmas. Now, the celebration of Advent is much older than the Renaissance, but it's a tradition that carried through the Renaissance to this day and would have definitely been celebrated in 15th and 16th century Italy. One of the traditions most often associated with Advent is the Advent wreath. This tradition originates in Germany and probably predates the Renaissance, but it was through the German churches, both Catholic and Lutheran, that it spread throughout the West. Basically, it's a green wreath made of evergreen, symbolizing the immortality and the resurrection of Christ. Within the wreath, There are four candles, three purple and one rose. The purple candles symbolize the prayer and penance offered in preparation for the coming of Christ. The rose candle symbolizes the rejoicing because the awaited Savior has arrived. Each week, a new candle is lit until all four candles are lit the Sunday prior to Christmas. The rose candle is lit on the third day of Advent or the third Sunday of Advent. One of the most common traditions of Renaissance Italy was the Persepi, or the Nativity scene. These would have been seen in every town throughout Italy during the Renaissance. The tradition actually arose during the late Middle Ages, 
and according to the Smithsonian, the first nativity was created in 1223. This has been attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. He set up his nativity inside of a cave with live animals. Now, we don't know if people were involved, but the tradition developed from there, both using live nativity with people and animals, and then what we're familiar with more often are the carved statues. This tradition continued well into the Renaissance with elaborate town displays such as we see today. If we were to travel to Milan during the Renaissance, one of the largest Christmas festivals in Italy was held by the Duke of Milan. That Christmas was considered the most important date in the calendar for the city. The Duke would throw a lavish party, or actually a series of lavish parties, marking all 12 days of Christmas. This would be a time of feasting as well as mass and prayer. Most of the time was spent gambling or playing games, another Christmas tradition that we'll cover in just a minute. Unfortunately for the Duke of Milan, his Christmas festivities led to his own death. On December 26, 1476, the Duke was assassinated while on his way to Mass in the Church of Santo Stefano. The Christmas tree is another popular symbol of Christmas. Now, there's no clear evidence of Christmas trees prior to the Renaissance, though the tradition may date back to pagan Germanic tribes. Just like the Advent wreath, the evergreen is thought to represent or meant to represent everlasting life and Christ's resurrection. According to legend, Martin Luther is credited with inventing the first Christmas tree, though there's no documentation to support this. More likely, these trees were part of the Christmas plays that were very popular during the Middle Ages. Since Christmas Eve was also the feast of Adam and Eve, Christmas trees were included to represent Adam and Eve, and these were considered trees of paradise. So they represented not only the Garden of Eden, but also the immortality of Christ. During the Renaissance, as these plays were outlawed, people began setting up paradise trees in their own homes. The tradition is most common in Northern Europe, particularly Germany, and it would not spread to the rest of the world until the 19th century. Of course, now it is one of the most ubiquitous displays of Christmas around. We've covered the Christmas tree and Advent, so what about gifts? can't have a Christmas tree without gifts, right? Well, this is probably one of the most loved and possibly hated traditions of Christmas. The tradition of giving gifts dates before the Renaissance, but it was during the Renaissance that it took its modern form. In this tradition, the gift giver acts the part of the Magi, bringing gifts to Jesus. Now, in the Renaissance, gift giving was actually held on January 6th, which is the Feast of the Epiphany, or Twelfth Night. We'll cover that in more detail later. So, since we're discussing Twelfth Night, let's go ahead and jump into the Twelve Days of Christmas. Contrary to popular belief, the Twelve Days of Christmas don't begin prior to Christmas Day, but on Christmas Day. And in the Middle Ages and the Renaissance, Christmas was celebrated not just as a single day, but rather twelve days of feasting and prayer. Why not string out Christmas for an entire two weeks? So, why Twelve Days? This is a question that's been asked for centuries. Some historians believe it began with a dispute over the actual date of Jesus' birth. The Greek-speaking East preferred to celebrate Christmas on January 6th, which is the Feast of the Epiphany. In the West, however, they believed or preferred to celebrate Christmas on the 25th of December. 
So it's believed that church officials, in order to maintain unity between the Eastern and Western churches, remember this is prior to the Great Schism of the Catholic and Orthodox churches, split the difference between December 25th and January 6th, and just made it a 12-day long festival. This is how it would have been celebrated during the Renaissance. The first day of Christmas begins on Christmas Day. This was usually a Mass and a feast. Of course, this is the Mass given for Christ, i.e. Christ Mass. This is followed by the Feast of St. Stephen on the 26th. And of course, according to the New Testament, he is the first martyr of the Christian church. St. Stephen's Day was a time when leftovers would be taken to the poor. This is recounted in the hymn of Good King Wenceslas, which is what we used to open the show. Following that is the feast day of St. John the Evangelist, commemorated on December 27th. December 28th is the Feast of the Holy Innocents. This is the event when Herod tried to eliminate Jesus by killing all of the newborns. So you get the idea, right? Each day is a feast day in the liturgical calendar, culminating with the Feast of the Epiphany on January 6th. The Feast of the Epiphany is often called Twelfth Night. It is the last day of the Christmas calendar. This marks the day that the Magi delivered their gifts to Jesus. This would be the day when people would give gifts during the Renaissance. Often Twelfth Night, or the Feast of the Epiphany, was a day of celebration and revelry. Shakespeare's play, Twelfth Night, was intended to run on the eve of the Feast of the Epiphany and was first performed in 1602. So, with all this talk of feasting, let's cover the Christmas feast. Yes, the feast was an important aspect during the Renaissance, just as it is now. In fact, it was considered a religious duty to celebrate the birth of Christ with a feast. If you look at the calendar, Christmas falls at the end of the harvest, and so this would be a time of bounty. Animals would be slaughtered for the winter, so it's the perfect time for a feast. Feasts were common among both the peasants and the nobles during the period. So what do we do after our feast, other than taking a nap? How about football? That's right, just as now, they played football in the Renaissance as part of their Christmas celebrations. Though it's a slightly different game, whole villages would turn out for this melee type of football match. Neighboring villages would compete against one another in these matches that were held once a year at Christmas. A leather ball stuffed with moss or a block would be kicked or punched to the other side of the field. All blows were legal, and this could be quite a lethal sport at times. During Christmas, it was also common to play other games such as dice and various forms of gambling. In 1511, Henry VIII outlawed dice playing for peasants, except during the 12 days of Christmas. So, we've covered the 12 days of Christmas, the Nativity, the Christmas tree, the Advent wreath, and the feast. I think that pretty much wraps up most of our Christmas traditions. I've included a series of links. I've included a series of links on the website for the articles I used during this episode. The show will be back after the holidays, so look for us in January, and I want to wish everyone a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Thank you for listening to The Renaissance.
If you enjoyed the podcast you just listened to, I encourage you to consider writing a review on Stitcher or iTunes. You may also support the show by donating when you visit therenaissancepodcast.com. No amount is too small and all donations are appreciated.